What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is Jerry Jones, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and here I am today joining you for an annual rite of passage. We've made it another year. Happy holiday, Mike brother. Band. Mike Band at M Band NFL is joining us before i even introduce you mike band god damn brother i love you i can't believe that you're back on the podcast i'm so happy to see you so happy to hear from you what what the hell's going on brother doing well man uh great to connect always this time of year it's uh a pleasure to talk draft to uh you know get ready for this uh this upcoming summer and then get ready for a whole another 2021 in 2021 it's going to be a, going to be a big, big, big year. Twenty and it starts out with the twenty twenty one NFL draft. And if you guys have listened, uh, you know that Band and I have done this for the last three or four years, where we have discussed what exactly we think is going to happen uh, in the NFL draft. We generally just do this podcast about the top ten. Uh, this year, it feels like since the top two spots are pretty much locked in. We decided we're going to make this this pod about the top half of the draft. And uh, Bandit, I don't know if you want to kind of talk about, you know, what it is that um, you've been able to accomplish with your mock draft accuracy results. But just like for me, when I look at it off the top of the the top of the sheet, you look at it over at Huddle Report. You have been a you have a a champion uh, cup there by your name as somebody who's won before as far as accuracy in the competition. Also your top 10 over a five year period. Just last year, I was able to make my first foray into your sort of lofty uh, area to where I finished number two. I don't think that there was any sadder text message than the one that you sent to me last, last May or at the very beginning of whatever last the last draft occurred, it was just like it was actually only it was like three it was three words and then one hyphenated name. It was holy shit, Clyde Edwards Elaire. It's what happened to me at pick 32. I was gonna win the huddle report competition. And some dude had Clyde Edwards Elaire to I I I had somebody uh some some somebody trading up to 32 to take a quarterback. I even forget who it was at this point, but some dude who was just right trailing me had 
Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire going to the Chiefs at 32. He overtook me at that very point. I think that your feed of the draft was a little bit ahead of mine to where you were the one who gave me the bad news. Regardless, we love doing this. We work hard doing this. There's a million things that you have to offer here as far as as far as helping people with their mock drafts and what to expect. You you'll have your cheat sheet that comes out on your Twitter at Mband NFL. That'll be on Thursday. You'll have your official mock draft up as I will on rosterwatch.com on Wednesday night. We have this podcast. You also have your uh, can't miss. Pro- Can you tell people about what you have going on at NFL.com and everything else like that with your can't miss prospects? Of course, I didn't mention about Mike Band. Roster Watch OG, you guys should all know who he is. He's also uh, now working with Next Gen Stats uh, for NFL, NFL NFL.com. He was a former NFL scout, University of Chicago Analytics. He's a fucking golden boy. Band, tell me what you have right now before we get into uh, what's going on here with what we think is going to happen with these first few picks. Alex, I... uh... I thank you for the intro. No one does it like you. Three, three plus minutes, only the best. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's exciting to uh, to run it down with you. This is, um, you know, the the best part about the mock draft process is is the thought exercise and and what it really means. Uh, and and what it is is it's trying to figure out the puzzle, uh, trying to project what's going to happen uh, from the standpoint of of putting yourself in the minds of what these decision makers are thinking on draft day. Uh, we're trying to connect the dots for you and, and, and excited to, uh, to run down the list of, uh, of the top 16 uh, on this pod. So we'll go with the top half, the top 16, because we know for the first two picks, Trevor Lawrence going to the Jacksonville Jaguars at pick one. I, I think we know, I mean, we don't know anything, but Zach Wilson to the Jets at pick two. It feels as if those things are already in the making. It feels like now with Ian Rappaport's report today about the 49ers that they are down to Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Justin Fields is out of the picture, it feels like for them, which is odd because of the, because, you know, still on DraftKings, there's, uh, still a pretty pretty there's a there's a reasonable market for you know Justin Fields he was a you know plus 125 or something last time that I checked I think that'll probably change after this report came out but Mac Jones Trey Lance how do you see this playing out and then how I mean for me it's just like I'd like to ask you about this band you're one of the smartest p- football people that I know okay and so let's not just have the let's not just have the Mac Jones discussion about whether it makes sense, whether it's too much, what like what it means as compared to a guy like uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields or whatever, or, or or just what it means for how a coach feels about what he thinks about his system versus how he feels about making sure that he acquires the most talent possible and making sure not to waste very, very precious draft capital. If it is Mac Jones, do you feel like, man, you know, three-ish, three first-round picks, 
everything else that's going to take to get up and get Mac Jones wherever. And, you know, we were at the senior bowl. We loved Mac Jones. I mean, one of the best senior bowl quarterbacks that we've seen. Mac Jones is awesome. I think he's more mobile than a lot of people think. I think he has better feet as far as being able to operate off platform than a lot of people think. I think that off of play action and stuff like that, he's going to be really, really good. I mean, we've seen it. And a coach like Shanahan can say to himself, well, this is perfect for my system. If you're a GM, you've been in these scouting department meetings band. Like, what does it mean for it to be like, you're talking about the third pick overall. I think it's pretty obvious that Justin Fields and Trey Lance, maybe if you just look at these guys all as athletes, I know for a fact, if they all stand up together, you know, in a room and you say which two are the best athletes, you're going to say Fields and Trey Lance just off the hoof looking at them, right? But with Mac Jones, with what everybody says is a – and people who I trust, right, people who uh, who are connected, like Daniel Jeremiah and somebody like Bucky Brooks on their podcast, and these guys are saying like, well, you know, like if Daniel Jones would have played in that in that – in that offense, like he would have been first overall and just all the rest of this stuff like this. It makes me wonder, like, do you think that if this pick is Mac Jones, which it feels like it's trending towards, is that, is that hubris out of Kyle Shanahan? Or is that just saying like, dude, I want to go, I want to go try and win with this quarterback. You know, I'm not going to try to, say whether Kyle Shanahan let's 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 speculate and say that it's Mac Jones because I I do believe it is if you don't make the trade up from 12 to 3 without knowing who first who's going first and second uh and then you know who you're taking third you know you don't trade up and say okay I like a couple guys here I'm going to take one of them so I, I think the pick actually is Mac Jones and and there's just a little smoke screen that everybody's trying to throw at the problem right now what I think from the standpoint of team building and since it is so schematically driven, but not just in the sense of talent and skill set, you don't have to necessarily have the biggest arm. It really comes down to uh, fit as far as the rapport a coach has with the quarterback, the, the, the close connection that they have. And to me, what it tells me is, you know, the Shanahan's had Justin Fields in their quarterback camp uh the quarterback collective camp for the last several years since going back to his elite 11 days they've known who this kid is they've known you know from the time he's been a a five-star recruit to today what what kind of kid justin fields is and i'm sure they think he's a hell of a player what i think happened though is that you've got a quarterback who thinks and probably is one of the smartest minds in football who has a crush on a quarterback thinks he can build a a system around him uh you know Loves his like you like you alluded to. Loves his pocket mobility. Loves his ability uh, uh, to really. I, the word is Fields and Lance can improvise. Mac Jones can work in the pocket, and that's not to say anything of uh, of a semblance of uh, of skill set. It's more just to say that's their style. So if you break down what what the what Shanahan looks for in a quarterback, it is a pocket passer. It is a guy who can move out. Uh, and and and, do, and run a lot of RPO uh, quick stuff. He's not going to be the one that keeps the football. It's just going to be a lot of RPO with a lot of quick hits. 
And if you've got a fit and you really like your guy, go get him. I'm not going to be the one that judges whether or not Mac Jones is going to be a good quarterback, uh, especially before we know where he's going. But if he ends up in San Francisco, there's a very good chance he's going to be a fine one because he's got Shanahan calling plays for him. So do you, and so for right now, are you leaning Mac Jones? Are you leaning Mac Jones? It's not what I would do, but I think it's what they will do. I kind of think so too. All right, let's move on to here to pick four, where we have an all new, all new situation in it in Atlanta. Things have been, they've, yeah, things have been. Uh, they've cleared out the house. It has has. Has Dimitrov landed somewhere? Does does Dimitrov work somewhere? Do you do do you even know Band? I don't even know if he has a job yet. Again, it feels like he's the type of guy that would know so many folks to where he probably has a new job somewhere else. Um, There was there there was initial talk about GM head coach discrepancies about how they felt about Trey Lance. Um. It feels like what's happened over the course of the last couple of weeks is there's been a lot of talk out of the media and maybe the people that they would generally leak things to that Arthur Smith, new head coach, thinks he can thinks he can win with Matt Ryan. Um, I just wonder, you know, whenever you look at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the Atlanta Falcons are favorites to draft a quarterback and draft a tight end. And then anything else that you look at as far as what they're drafting, it's just, you know, it's, it's 10, it's 10 to one odds. You know, it's like, it's people think that this is going to be either they they take the quarterback or they take Kyle Pitts. Of course, there's always the option of trading down. Yeah. I don't think it's the quarterback either. Um, I think they are certainly talked about it. You're in a position uh, with a veteran quarterback and you got to have the discussion and you got to do your due diligence uh, but you know, if Arthur Smith comes in, thinks he can work with, uh, with, with Matt Ryan and he's got two obviously talented players in, in Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, you add that John U. Smith like tight end and you've got one of the scariest, you know, 11, 12 personnel rosters or offenses where, you know, the defense doesn't know if Pitts is in line or in the slot. So I think there's a lot of, you know, Arthur Blank's always been a Matt Ryan truther and, and he was, reported to be some of the the steam leaning towards a quarterback so anything like that I I sort of question the validity I I think it's a little bit of smoke Um, and in that case I I, I do think that uh, uh, Kyle Pitts is is you could write in pencil and and, and almost pen at four I got the pencil out for our exercise so we'll just go through it like that we come to number five (laughs) we get to the we get to the Cincinnati Bengals who for me, if I was – and you and I have gone back and forth on text about what I think this should be. I think this should be tackle. Um, yeah. I don't – We've had fun discussions here. We've had a fun discussion going back, and, and I'd love to have that again for the, uh, for the listeners. Well, I mean, here's, 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 here's my thing. I just don't I, – I think with Jonah Williams coming back, and I think with – if you could add a Penesul, who these teams coming up here in the next few picks are going to be – People are going to be trading up for him if these if these teams don't take him. Um, you're never ever 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 going to regret having those two offensive tackles. I don't think that's a pick you're ever going to regret. As far as you know, a quarterback like Joe Burrow, who during his first season 
you know, took some hits and eventually ended up with the season ending ACL. You, you can't have these, you can't have these kind of injuries all the time with this quarterback who's all of a sudden literally like a top six or seven quarterback in the league. You've, you've come onto this. Like, I understand surrounding him with weapons, but man, T. Higgins last year was awesome. Tyler Boyd is a really good slot wide receiver. You know, the one thing about Jamar Chase, though, is if you look at the Bengals' depth chart, I mean, they really they have T. Higgins, they have Tyler Boyd, and then Auden Tate is by far their best third wide receiver. I mean, they have guys like, you know, bad Mike Thomas on this roster. They have guys like Stanley Morgan, who Byron who Byron famously thought was a, a, a financial advisor whenever he came out. <laughs> there's all, there's all kind of, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, it's literally it's it, it's it, it's it's Trent Irwin. They literally have only seven wide receivers on this entire roster right now. And this is a team that runs three plus personnel, three plus receiver personnel over 80 percent of snaps. So, you know, you, you look at at the scheme and what Zach Taylor uh, has designed and, and wants to design for Burrow in that offense. It is a spread system. So what that does is it places less premium on having a single individual offensive lineman with blue chip talent. And it requires a, a set of five offensive linemen. You just need to have a good unit. And what that means is a guy like Jamar Chase, who might be the third receiver uh, on the field, if you, you know, it'd be impossible to put Chase behind T. Higgins. But learning wise, all three of them are going to hit the field. The third receiver in that offense plays 80 percent of snaps, more so than the highest running back in league wide. So, I, I, you know, as Hmm. far as as far as if you put the the grades up next to each other of Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase, uh, I would be hard pressed to find many with a grade higher on Sewell than Chase, as far as upside. Okay, so if we think that that goes Chase, then the Dolphins feel like they're screwed this because I fun, feel yeah I feel like that the I right because I feel like the Dolphins came into a situation here where they traded down originally to 12. They said, in a brilliant move. I love what Greer and what Flores did, right? It was a brilliant move. Here, Alex, Alex, here's what I think that the Dolphins did when they did made that trade. I wouldn't, I, I'm not going to look at the trades independently. I'm going to take look at them as a whole. And what they did was they moved down from three to six. Right. You don't make the second trade without knowing you're going to make the first trade. And what they did was they knew they're not taking a quarterback. They knew that there's going to be at least three quarterbacks that go in front of them. And they were comfortable coming away and not paying the number three overall pick dollars, but paying six overall pick dollars to one of Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts or Jalen Waddle. You think it's Waddle. Okay, I mean, I I get it. I get. So you you think that they had all three in mind. I do because I think because I thought they had two in mind, the two in which mind, made, which made which doesn't get right, right, which made me think that this is this this could possibly tr- be a trade down spot. Um, it is it is still a trade down spot, no doubt, and and Waddle could then uh, very well be there. Say you move down to a quarter, quarterback needy team, 
who wants to come up. And, and, and granted, there might not be a team that wants to move up to six for even if Justin Fields or Trey Lance are on the board. You could see, you know, Justin Fields falling to the seven, eight, nines. You could see Trey Lance falling to the seven, eight, nines you know, 15s. So th- there's a world where there's no trade partner who wants to come up to six. So the, so let's just think about this because we've, we've, we've had the rumors about Arizona possibly wanting to move up for Jalen Waddle. I know that those are probably good reports because you know, that Cliff Kingsbury talks, you know, the Steve Kahn talks, right? That like we've gotten pretty good Intel about what they're targeting in recent years. If that were to be the case, though, they I mean, they're only they're only equipped with six picks this year, so I don't believe that the Cardinals are are one of those teams positioned to move up into the top seven. They they whenever they say they might move up for Jalen Waddle, it feels like something where like they might they might want to move up in case he falls a little bit farther than we right. thought. It's not like they're going to say we're shit. We're scared Miami's going to take Waddle. We gotta we gotta move up here. Um, what about what about? Denver trading up. What about, you know, I mean, what about, I don't think Minnesota is going to trade. I mean, would like to, to me, it looks like Denver. It looks like the Patriots are the two that when I'm doing my mocks and I'm thinking, okay, if, the, if these guys want to trade down, they might trade down there. We know how Flores, you know, that Greer, like all those, like they have a, they have a good relationship with the, with the Patriots clearly. I think they do. I don't know they, how it is. But they do. They're all from the same. Sure, they're all from but, the same stock. But if you're in the same division, do you want to give a quarterback to your division rival? I I, I, I question okay. that. Yep. I question yep. that. Yep. yep. You're right. The the whole division thing. So maybe Denver here. Den Denver's in play. More than, more so than likely. If you're moving up into the top ten, you're moving up for a quarterback. There's a small chance the Chargers are interested. Or in a tackle, up. yeah. Right. Or a right. tackle. The Chargers so the, for Sewell, yeah. right? The Chargers for Sewell because Sewell's in play for. He's on the board in Miami, but they're probably not going to take him. He's on the board in Detroit. Carolina's favored to take an offensive lineman, either Sewell, Slater, oh. or through a trade down. Right. Yeah. So so I think that the smoke right now of the Panthers being interested in fields is to get a team to jump them, which would then push Sewell down the boards to potentially that seven or eight spot. So right now, it's it, it, you're right. It's it comes down to Denver and, and the Chargers as the most likely to move up to six if possible. All right. So let's just for our sake, let's just I, I, I know we're just kind of talking over. But just for the sake of this, let's give let, let's give Jalen to the. Dolphins. If we're not going to talk any move down, yeah. And just one, and just one thing. If you put together all the pieces of that offense, they're missing a slot receiver and they're missing a running back. So it wouldn't surprise me to see the Dolphins come out of the first round with a receiver like Waddle, who's you know dynamic slot speed. You're basically bringing in speed, uh, and then an edge defender or linebacker pass rusher at 18 and then a potential trade into the end of the first round for one of those running backs in the, uh, at the end, you could see the dolphins come away with three first round picks with all the capital that they've accumulated. Well, you know, I mean, wasn't, wasn't Tua and, and Tua, Tua and Najee were roommates. Those guys are really, really, really good friends. So like, I'm just, Something to keep in mind there. They're cl- yeah. clear, clearly, if they go this route, they're building around Tua. They're going to be talking to him about what they want, what what they want going on. Okay, so now we're at pick seven to the Detroit Lions. New GM, new head coach, 
slow defense built by Matt Patricia. Uh, but still, you know, Dan Campbell, to me, whenever I see Penny, Penny Sewell falling this far, I think to myself, this is a guy that wants to whatever, fall down and bite you off your kneecaps or whatever he talks about. Like, I, I, think that the, I think that it's the kind of deal where, you know, even though the, they've invested in the offensive line, Right. But what but what are some of these what are some of these best teams say, like some of the best teams, some of the best team builders uh, that have ever existed? Like if you read uh, Gridiron Genius by Michael Lombardi, when he talks about guys like Bill Walsh and stuff, strength on strength. Whenever you're a bad team, you build strength on strength and you create something that is going to be, uh, you know, a true feature of your team. Whenever you have a Taylor Decker, you have Frank Ragnow. It, it really feels like you spent a third round pick last year on Jonah Jackson, who turned out to be pretty good. I I think that that could be a pretty good offensive. I mean, you put Penny Sewell over there at the right tackle. Gee whiz. That, like all of a sudden you could do everything that he wants to do. You can run, you, you can, you can be a good defensive team that runs the football and sticks, you know, sticks it in their face and shoves their nose in it. You got DeAndre Swift, who's a, just an excellent running back who you took last year and spent a lot of draft capital on. You probably want to do as much as you can to protect Jared Goff, who's one of the NFL's worst quarterbacks under pressure. You think it could be Penny Sewell, or do you think we still have so many – we still have these two quarterbacks on the board where you got to look at the quarterback of the future. You got to think about all the rest of this stuff. I mean, do you look – shit, they, got, they just got rid of Kenny Galladay. They got rid of Marvin Jones. Their top wide receivers are – off the top, what is it, Brashad Perriman and Quintez Cephas? I'm trying to even think of who's on who's on the roster. I don't know the roster pulled up. Yeah, Let's pretty see. much. Yeah, yeah. The, so at, at wide receiver, they have oh, and they brought in Tyrell Williams, who sucks. So what do you what do you think about this pick? I I'm I'm flummoxed by it, but my initial instinct is to say if Penny Sewell falls, they're gonna take him. With Brad Holmes. Dan Campbell, new staff. I think this team's rebuilding. So this, you know, you, you've got the Lions with only six picks in the uh, in this in this year's draft. This is more than likely the place where a team could come up to for a quarterback if they want it. This could be where New England jumps up to seven for Justin Fields. Could be where Denver moves up for Fields. It could be where Denver moves up for Lance. It could even be where Washington moves up for a quarterback, where Chicago moves up for a quarterback. Uh, it, it's unclear, but what is clear is that the Lions are not in a win-now situation. Uh, if you look at their needs, you're right. Wide receiver is absolutely one of them. And if Jalen Waddle's on the board, uh, you know, I think he's definitely in, uh, in play as a team looks to get faster. But as you said, if P- if Panay Sewell is on the board and you've got a hole at right tackle, a team that's led by Brad Holmes, that's led by Dan Campbell, it'd be hard to pass up on the top tackle of their boards. Yeah, yeah, one 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 hundred percent agreed. And I think that coming into number eight, that's going to really piss off Matt Rule. I think that I think that he would love to take Penay Sewell there. And then the question becomes uh, for the Carolina Panthers at number eight, the, look, the quarterbacks are still on the board. And so to me, what I think about here is, okay, I have two options if I'm Matt Rule. First option, what do I think of Rishon Slater and his 33-inch arms? Is he a tackle? Um, I don't, do, you, do you have a take on that, band? Like, do, like, do you have a take on whether he's a guard or a tackle? You know, uh, 
I think you can get away with 33 and a half inch arms, what he has. I, I think he's athletic enough to do both. And I think in certain schemes that, that require guys get out in space, it, it really is, it comes down to your feet. And Slater's got great feet. Uh, mm-hmm. He's smart. Uh, you know, he's, he's strong. He's physical. He plays bigger than his size. I think there's going to be, a, you know, there's no doubt to me that Rashawn Slater is the number two offensive lineman on the board. Whether or not a team like, uh, like the Panthers with Scott Fitter there and Matt Rule. I mean, they, they're a team that loves the three cone and long arms. So if if this is one of the craziest picks of the draft where they take, you know, Christian Derrissaw at, at, with the eighth pick or something wild, like trading down a few spots and, That's and passing exactly on Slater. It happens, isn't it? That, that kind of stuff happens. And we're just like, man, we knew what was going on, but we just – catches somewhat of the wrong signal like, yeah it, it's possible yeah. And, and there's a lot of smoke out there that the panthers like justin fields out of all the quarterbacks and in this case he's available and that's not predicting a trade-up um and then there's certainly uh some smoke around their interest in a cornerback like jc horn so there's uh there's a few ways that they could go what's interesting is vegas has them right around minus 110 for an offensive lineman compared to uh much less odds for quarterback, linebacker, and and uh, and corner. So I, 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 in the end, I'm going to end up putting an offensive lineman here. If Sewell's on the board at eight, I think that that's the way they go. They could trade out of eight. Although you know, if LA wants to come up for Sewell and they get Darisaw at thirteen, that's sort of the the trade of trades. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think definitely seven and nine, seven and eight, where Detroit and Carolina are the two wild cards right now. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Matt Rule is a culture builder, and he's a big – He's it's big bodies and building culture, you know, like – and we saw what they did in their first – you know, with the first pick last year. Uh, I – I like I. It's just we'll, we'll see how they feel about the quarterback, and we'll see what somebody. I think they would love to take some. I think they would love to regain some of the ammo that they lost. What did they give up? Band a two for they gave up a two to get up to Darnold or the next year's two, two, two right? Darnold. So, so yeah, I think they'd like to get back some of that ammo, suspects, right? So right. I, I, th- I think they'd like to get a little bit more as they continue to rebuild. If I mean, if. If one of the if New England, I think New England's probably a good trade up partner here. Yeah. Maybe maybe at this point in time, if Waddle's still on the board, we could have the Arizona kind of trade up there for him. Washington could trade up. I well, feel Alex, like, yeah, Alex. You, you, I mean, you're you're nailing it on the head. It's Scott Fitterer, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, for coming from their brass that traded out of their first round pick eight out of nine years. So when you're talking about the tendencies of of uh, of this new front office, they are the team that is most likely to trade down in the top ten. Well, perfect. All right, so let's let's get to pick nine uh, to the Denver Broncos. They could have already traded up by now, but uh, they haven't traded up. We will just. I mean, are we? What are we going to do? Are we just going to send? Are we? Are we sending Slater to the to the to the for our just our imaginary mock here, just so I could take it down. Are we going to send Slater to these guys to to the uh, Panthers before we move on to the Broncos, just as a placeholder kind of pick? Sure, and does that work and, for you? Uh, you know, eventually we could split off, but yeah, right now I, I do have Slater. If there's no trades and Sewell goes seven, Slater at eight makes the most sense. Okay, 
Um, at nine, by now, the Broncos could have traded up, I think, to seven um, or to six. Right. They'll never trade to five. I don't think that the Bengals will ever trade uh, out of there. Um, but as things stand, I mean, Trey Lance is still there. Justin Fields is still there. It feels like that's just a lock, right? It, like if the board were to fall like this for the for the for the for, for the Broncos, that's kind of what you got to do. I, I would hesitate to say it's a lock, um, and and pun intended, only after the fact. If, <laughs> a if lock. They, yeah, and, and 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 we should and we should also let the audience know as they're listening that not that I don't know if you want to let them know who you, who who you've worked with. Before. No, it, I, I mean, but I yeah. mean, you have, you have some insight about this stuff. You know, it would only be putting myself in 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 sort of the mind of of what they could of what George Payton could be thinking about my former uh, boss. But it what. What could happen is, I mean, this could be a, a team where they don't take a quarterback and they make a move for Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, whether or not that's they still have Drew Locke on roster next year, but Teddy Bridgewater is more more than likely going to be on the Denver Broncos at some point in the next few weeks, uh, even if they make a, a, a pick, even if they take a quarterback at nine. So. Okay. I, my guess would be that they f- would favor Justin Fields, but I think that they, you know, Peyton Elway and company, and, and really it's Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer is going to give the final say of, of what quarterback fits what they do. And you look at, you know, the type of pocket movement, the getting those guys out in space, the bootleg game, the RPOs, that is what, uh, what both Trey Lance and Justin Fields are good at. Trey Lance, more the, uh, the under center passer, uh, when you compare the two. So finding the right fit might be, I, I can't say I know, but if, if the grade stands on based off talent, I'm going to fit Justin Fields uh, there at nine to the Broncos. Because otherwise, I mean, what are you, what, are, it, by the way, things have fallen. What are you looking at? You're looking at, I mean, you're looking at linebacker. We're probably about to get the corner run here. We have coming up to the, coming up to the Cowboys. Um, I think that the Broncos come out of this thing with a quarterback band. I really do. I, th- I think if they don't trade up for one, I, I kind of think one of these falls to them. I, I kind of think that they come out with one, but w- I, I sure. just, I, I don't know. I don't know how exactly it's going to happen, but right. that's why we're going through the exercise. Uh, we're right. going next to the uh, Cowboys here. So we'll just, we'll say that let's just do, do, do I say fields or Lance is off the board? You I'm going to give him fields. Okay. So fields. Okay, so we're here to the Cowboys. Um, and I think all roads point, especially since Rayshon Slater's off the board in this scenario, I think all all roads point to cornerback. We've seen 10 and a half has been the epic minus 115 on each side for the juice as far as when the first cornerback goes off the board. Everybody knows that the Dallas is looking at cornerbacks. I had, I had stumped to my death saying it's going to be Patrick Sertan in our private text messages. You had made the case for a long while here for J.C. Horn. I'm beginning to come around based on some of the conversations that I've had recently with people very, very close to the Cowboys about how certain people might have connections. You talked about connections to DQ, who actually you worked, you worked, with, you worked with Dan Quinn, correct? Right. So, so this goes back to my Florida days. Uh, so Will Muschamp was the coach. I was in the recruiting department, and DQ was the defensive coordinator there. So you know uh, Muschamp and, and Dan Quinn, they go back to uh, 
really go back to Saban days when they were both in the Miami Dolphins organization. And so that whole tree is definitely, is no doubt a tree. Um, what I do know is that Dan Quinn loves fiery competitive guys. He loves guys with that'll knock you back as he liked to call it. And he also liked guys that fit his system. And so when you look at the type of players that Dan Quinn uh, likes at corner, he likes them long. He likes cover one, cover three, man, uh, press man uh, corners. And when you look at the, the skill sets, that might fit J.C. Horn's uh, profile a little bit better than, than, than Sertain, who I think is more of an off-man uh, cover corner. What are your yeah. thoughts? I just – I've heard I've I've heard that the Dallas Cowboys are enamored with the athleticism of J.C. Horn, and Mike McCarthy loves Joe Horn. Mike McCarthy at some point in time, I, I guess McCarthy at some point, I was told McCarthy at some point in time worked with Joe Horn, J.C. Horn's dad. These are two guys who are. I mean, of course, everybody knows about Patrick Sertan. Everybody knows who Joe Horn is. These are two. These it just feels to me like Sertan has been sort of the guy. The Jerry Jones probably what Jerry Jones said. Look, if Kyle Pitts can't fall to me, like we need a corner badly is clearly our biggest need. Sertan was the dude who they singled out early, but the J.C. Horn is sort of made a. Uh, it feels like J.C. Horn has sort of made a, a real run here towards the end, almost to where I'm leaning. Just I can't believe I can't believe I'm I can't believe it. With as no, tilted as yeah. I was about it's, your initial texts, yeah. I'm leaning towards J.C. Horn for mine right now, yeah. but I'm not sure it could. But here's the thing: it's the draft. It's it's a flat circle. Everything comes back to what you always thought it yeah. was. It, it could still be certain, and this could be smoke. But the, man, this J.C. Horn stuff has some. I'm just it has saying, some real X. No, I'm some, I'm, I'm totally with you. Okay, I'm totally with you. No, and, and I just want to add, Alex. I think I might, you know, end up putting Patrick Sertain in, in, in their 10, it's one or the other. They're more than likely interchangeable at the 10 spot and the 12 spot. Yep. Right. So with Dallas and Philly, those two teams are more than likely both going corner. Um, and that would put either Horde or Sertain. If you look at the fit, Horn might fit what Dallas wants to do and Sertain might fit better what uh, Philly wants to do. Speed, 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 man. On the, I mean, that's what speed on the back. Hey, both both of those guys, both of those guys had a hell of a pro day. I mean, Sertain too is a hell of an athlete as well. So they 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 get it either way. Uh, So we go into the New York Giants here. We just have a few more picks left. Uh, The New York Giants, and you have a clear need with these guys. I mean, they haven't not been able to get an edge rusher to save their lives. They they made a big move. They made a big move at wide receiver to get Kenny Galladay, but at this point in the there aren't like these edge rushers as I watch them and as you talk to people about them, it's not really the same kind of class as you know that we've been used to. There's not really one big beast at the top that people are talking about as a top five pick. Um, Devonte Smith is still on the board as far as this stuff that we're t- talking about here. Do you think that Caldwell goes? you know, fantasy football again and takes in the top 15 pick a skill player. I that's kind of, I kind of lean toward it because to me, that's sort of what I've heard uh, about the way that he could possibly go. And I just look at who all could be available right here. I mean, what are you going to take? Are you going to take, we know they need offensive line help, but is, is this too early to take 
a Christian Darisaw? Is this too early to take an Elijah Vera Tucker? Is it too early to take a Tevin Jenkins? It feels a little early, but I mean, if there's a guy you love, there's a guy you love. Yeah, I think I think pick eleven comes down to to four names, um, and you know, usually Gettleman's picks are always pretty predictable. You always sort of can uh, can try to figure out who he might be leaning by some of his Freudian slips and his pre pre conference pre draft <laughs> and, and pre free agency uh, press conferences. He'll tell you what he wants to do, and uh, and to me that he's he's told us that he wants to support his pride and joy in, in his quarterback and Daniel Jones. So if, if I were to guess, and I am guessing, uh, I think it's either going to be a receiver an off- or an offensive lineman with m- the, the likes of Micah Parsons as a wild card. But if it really comes down to these four names, Devontae Smith, Micah Parsons, Rashawn Slater, and then the wild card is, is your, your edge rusher, Quiddy Pay. You, do you think Woody Pay could, could go that or do you think he could go that early just because of how the because it feels like he's sort of being seen as the top? They're talking about him. And I'll tell you why. You've got too many of these edge rushers in this year's class with uh with with questions from their medicals. And so you look at the the drop off uh mm-hmm. in that middle and late first round, and you might see guys go later than expected. And it's because that teams don't really get the same opportunity with these guys that they have in the past to to check the medicals. And in that case, you're probably going to lean more towards risk averse. Uh, and in that case, you, you would, you would avoid them. So we're going to give wh- who we're going to give the giants just in our little examination well, here. Sure. So I, I, the odds point to the specific pick Devonte Smith to the giants is imp- the implied odds. I believe from Vegas is around 40% which is very high for a pick in the teens. Oh, so it'd yeah. be, it'd be, it'd be hard pressed to pit, to have anybody else written in there uh, when the draft rolls around. Devontae Smith. We'll move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think this one's easy for me because you know that they were going to be looking at Devontae Smith. If they, they would have hoped that Jalen Waddle will have fallen at wide receiver. Um, even though they had, to, even though, you know, they, they um, last season, they, utilized first round draft capital on a wide receiver. It's still, they, you know, I don't think that they care about looking to JGR think a white side in the second round. I, I think that they're just saying like, man, we need to get this stink out off of us about passing on the DK Metcalfs and all the rest of these guys for a part thing, white side or passing on a Justin Jefferson last year, like all the, to take Jalen, did, did they pass on Justin Jefferson to take Jalen Rager? They did. Yeah. So that's a couple of bad picks. I think that they, I think they would like, I think they would like to, they would like to, uh, they would like to be able to take a wide receiver here that they're comfortable on. But for our purposes, um, all those guys are generally gone unless there's somebody you see popping up into this area. To me, I know they need corner badly. I see Patrick Sertan sitting right there. And to me, in this scenario, it's like, uh, like you said, man, 10 and 12, Sertan, right. I mean, Sertan or Horn, right. It's, you know, th- this pick's likely going to be a receiver, a corner, and you never know what how he's going to do on draft day. He's one of those GMs that'll move two picks to get his guy, four picks to get his guy. So, you know, if Waddle falls to that, you know, nine range, Waddle could be in play for the pick. Um, all, all based off of what they need and the their lack of uh, of of homers, you could say at, at the receiver position. I don't think that they. 
it could be Waddle or Devontae Smith if either are on the board, but if not, it's Sertain or Horn. And in this case, Sertain's still on the board. Whenever, whenever we move on to the uh, we move on to the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, who we think might trade up at some point here to get one of those top two tackles that we talked about. But if they didn't, it just feels like you know we've talked about Elijah Vera Tucker, who I'm not sure if he's a tackle or a guard. Um, Darisaw clearly, I think, is a tackle. I think he looks like a tackle to me. Um, when you look at what they have there on the roster for the Chargers, they do have, you know, they have Brian, they have Brian Berlaga. They just, they just got Corey Lindsley. The Packers decided to ship off Corey Lindsley and pay Aaron Jones, which I thought was an odd deal, but it's, it's fine. Um, they have Matt Filer there. They have Ode Abushi. They have Trey Pipkins. That to me seems like an offensive line that still needs some upgrading for sure. I think this has to be offensive line. And I think with Vera Tucker falling, with Christian Verisaw falling, I think with um, there are even some of these other Tevin Jenkins is still available. Uh, I know that yeah, I don't think I'm not sure that I'm not. It feels like they could act it to, to me, you know, it feels like they, they could actually use a guy with guard tackle versatility because they have so many spots there that needs that need to be that need to be filled. Um, what do you think about what's happening here? Do you think it's offensive line or is there an, an, another way that you could see it going? Yeah. So all signs point to it being an offensive lineman here, uh, with the small chances of a cornerback and even smaller of a receiver. Um, what the order that I'll go, that I'll give it to you and, and studying Tom Telesco's draft day trends, you know, he, he likes bigger guys. Uh, if you look at all the tackles that they've taken in the, uh, for the chargers in his tenure, they haven't really been great athletes. They've been more the size uh, and strength guys. Um, with all that said, you mentioned Brian Belaga's fixed at right tackle. To me, that says they're looking for a true left tackle. Uh, and when it comes down to it, Christian Darisaw is the only true left tackle, you might say, out of the whole bunch between. Unless really, you want to go way, way far down the draft and look at the the, the developmental guys like I don't know. Do you think Cosme is a? Do you think Cosme is? Have, have you watched Cosme at all? I, I, I think he oh, could well, maybe be yeah. a left tackle, but I just, sure. I just, I don't. It feels like too early for him. Um, it, it's definitely too early for Cosme, although his athletic traits are definitely intrigue someone late first. What I will say is that you know you look for the traits of a left tackle, or at least you know what they're looking for in in, in Los Angeles and. And all those signs point to Darisaw. Even with Elijah Vera Tucker still on the board, I could go either way back and forth. I think Darisaw might be the right fit here in LA if they okay. don't trade up for necessary for Sewell or if Slater doesn't fall to 13. I like it. This is a man, this is a very, very, very offense heavy uh, beginning to this draft. We, we only have a few more of these picks. Let's get to the final three of them. And it is a team that I know that you know very well, the, the Minnesota Vikings pick next. And as far as their needs, it feels like every year they need edge rusher. Do they not need corners though? Do they not need corner right now? It feels like, are they, do you think they're happy with the guys like all these Texas guys, man, Holton Hill, Chris Boyd, a bunch of these dudes that who they've, um, yeah, who they've, who they've drafted recently. Um, they're all, it feels like Zimmer's always wanting to replenish as far as his edge rushers 
Well, I'll tell you what, I, I go back and, and let me interrupt you there. He, Zimmer's the guy that takes a corner early no matter what. And right. the idea being is that you, there's not enough of them. There's not enough guys that are capable of, 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 cover, of playing man coverage in this league. And so they look at it as, a, as a, a, a talent issue that you can't really find a good one in the later rounds. You got to go get them at, 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 in the early rounds. So uh, corner is in play. You know, if there's a certain or horn falls to 14, they'll, they'll talk about it for certainly as, as what if they're DPA both, what if, what if they're both gone? Like, what if, yeah, no, how, no, does, the, how does Zimmer feel about, how does, Zimmer, how does Zimmer feel about hurt guys? Like, 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 like Farley or, or like off field, off field stuff. Like, what do you think about? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's still Spielman's draft room and, and he's going to make the final say and more than likely he wants to move down from 14, but what, Without us, and, and this is without their second round pick this year. So you know, a team that always likes to accumulate draft capital. This is a trade down spot, no doubt. Or, or hold on, wait. Trey Trey Lance is still on the board. Trey Lance is still on the board. So if you've got a team that is like uh, like Washington, Chicago, or even you know who's, who's well, what about Minnesota? Oh, Minnesota, <laughs> they're not. They're not taking Trey Lance. They are it's, okay. They're not. No, I mean the. the Realistically, the Vikings are taking an offensive lineman or an edge rusher, and there's not going to be an edge rusher that that uh, warrants the value of 14 relative to having a, a, a piece like Elijah Vera Tucker who can really fit in at any of the four spots along the line uh-huh. um, and, and really make make an impact. I think when it's all when push comes to shove, they're going to stay at 14 and take the the offensive lineman from USC. So we're going to say uh, AVT right there. For those guys. Okay, so we'll move on. Final two picks here. We'll talk about. So this this should be easy for the Patriots, right? Trey Lance falls right to him. Let him sit for a year behind Cam Newton. And we're all well, set to go. Well, here it's funny. It's I keep going back and forth. You listen to Michael Lombardi talk about the subject and the way that they evaluate players in New England. And you wonder if Trey Lance fits the mold of what they're looking for or their position requirements at the position. Right, they like guys with experience. They like guys with. I need to go skills. back and read Gridiron yeah. Genius again. I, I I need to go back and look what Belichick said about things he yeah. said because there's a there's a chat there is there's there, there's a part of a chapter in there where he talks about what Belichick checks off for his quarterbacks, and so and, that's a good and, thing to and, go and back and look at. He he brought it up on his re, on his most recent podcast on the GM Shuffle, and it was pretty mm-hmm. pretty interesting stuff. And it, he talked about you know the idea that Belichick probably wouldn't you know back in the day wouldn't trade up for either fields or lance and that's why you know i'm not pulling the trigger yet i think justin fields would be a little bit more of the scheme fit but and i will caveat this what belichick and mcdaniels have proven especially with cam is that they are willing to experiment they're willing to uh adapt they're willing to innovate Mm-hmm. And if you look at the skill set of Trey Lance compared to Cam Newton, that would be the most comparable, right? You look at what Trey Lance did in space as a rusher. You look at what they did last year with the short yarded situations. You look at what they did to bring in 12 personnel I mean, and run and with oh two God. big tight ends. Middle of the you know, field. There, yep. I mean, this might be a, a Tim Tebow offense that yep. Urban Meyer ran in, in – you know, in 2008 for the Gators. That's the type of thing that and the kind they of might offense be that Belichick on. is low key always said that he kind of wants to run. 
So that's crazy. That does put Trey Lance into that picture. Now, so you sort of see the two avenues of are they going to think like the past or are they going to think innovatively of what can we do with Trey Lance? He's only 20 years old. What is his value next year if he doesn't play it down? There's probably something there that New England might be enticed to take at 15 if he's there. Okay, so we'll just do you want to just pencil in Lance just with just with the old pencil? It's just no doubt pencil. Definitely not pen. Okay, yeah. So pencil. And finally, Mike Band, before we before we get into the Cardinals pick, let's just tell them again where, where they can find you. M Band, NFL on Twitter. They can find your stuff with the next gen stats. You're gonna be tweeting that stuff out. You're gonna have um gonna have the your stuff up on roster watch, your mock draft up on roster watch by Wednesday night. Anything that I'm forgetting, man, like what else do you want to just tell the people about and just let them know about before we get into this last one? Yeah, I meant to mention this earlier when you asked about it, but uh, the next-gen sets draft model. We uh, we built an analytics model based off of the athleticism, production, size, metrics that, were, that we have available. Uh, and we wanted to create Madden-like scores uh, to say whether or not a player had the traits of, uh, of a successful NFL pro. Uh, those the, the results of the model have been uh, uh, written in, as a series on NFL.com. So go check it out. I have written a piece on the seven can't miss prospects, according to the draft model that will be taken in the first round. And then uh, the day two standouts and day three hidden gems uh, that will be out. Before we go on, before we go on, tell us, tell us your favorite can't miss. Tell us your favorite day two and your favorite gem. Fair enough. Um, You know, I'd have to go with the, as a Homer, Kyle Pitts, um, you know, there's probably no better player, but I'm actually going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to say that JC Horn, uh, it might have one of the most complete profiles and could be the best one in this class, uh, from yeah. a, a day two standout. I really like, uh, Elijah Moore, the receiver in Ole, from Ole Miss. I love that. I love the sounds of this. Um, you know, you look at what you look yeah. at the comparison and it's not hard to make the Tyreek Hill yep. explosiveness. It's not hard to um, make. Not hard to make. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then on day three, you know, let's, let's stay in the fantasy world and let's go with Dwayne Eskridge, the Western Michigan uh, trash receiver. man. You have a little trash man in your blood, man. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that's what we do. It. All right. So let's pick. That's the one, two, and three, or the, the round one, the round two, the round three. Here we are at pick one, two, twelve, or pick sixteen. So not one plus two plus three, but one plus two plus three plus one, and you start over again. Pick sixteen. We, we're, we're, we're halfway through the draft. From here on out, we're going to leave you guys on your own because we want to win the competition. What do you think? So the, so the Cardinals, there, there's been talk about the Cardinals being interested in moving up to take Jalen Waddle. To me, that means that Cliff Kingsbury is still harping on Steve Kime about his his want his wanting offensively for speed that he was not able to get from the Andy Isabella pick. It doesn't seem like he's going to be able to get it from the Andy Isabella pick or a guy who can for a guy who can stay on the field. You've heard that these guys might. I mean, clearly they need to go corner. They need a Patrick Peterson plan. They need they they need um, they need to make sure that whether they take Byron Murphy with the first pick of the second round, not this last year, but the year before they've done a few things. They, they bring in, was that Desmond Trufant or Robert Alford who they brought in last year? 
Yeah, Alford, right? Alford is so. Yeah, I I I knew it was some old Cardinal. I think they could go corner. Um, corner is definitely in play here. I mean, you're in a division with DK Metcalf and Patrick Peterson was the shadow corner uh, in those matchups. So what do you do? You 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 need a guy with length and size. Um, this is an interest, you know, if certain or Horner is, is there at 16, I don't think, I mean, they're running to the podium, mm-hmm. uh, virtually or not. Um, it, this is an interesting place for Caleb Farley, who many would call a top two talent in the, uh, in this year's class, but with a back injury and issues, uh, that really haven't kept him kept him off the field for 500 plus days. He's not going to be ready till July. It's not something that is going to go away. Uh, some doctors are worried about it. And, I'm, and, and I don't mean to speculate there. I, I don't know the true medical report. Uh, but really, Caleb Farley can go as high as 16 and as low as the second round or later. Um, and to me, when you look at what Steve Keim in the past has done, he's taken a chance on high upside, talented players who might have fallen down for a variety of reasons, whether it's the, the first guy. Right. Of, or just like all these other dudes. Yeah. Yeah, so right. so so, as far as this pick, Steve Kime, he's 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 going he's going back to the back to the barrel on an injured guy. Steve Kime's going Caleb Farley, uh, possible. But uh, let me caveat with this is another trade down situation where uh, the Cardinals only have six picks in this year's draft, and there's a very good chance they could move down. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams right there in that 17 through 24 range who need offensive linemen. So it would not surprise me to see some leapfrogs in that area. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. 